Welcome back to Wrestling Changed My Life podcast. This is your host, Ryan Warner. Folks, it's a beautiful night here in Chicago. Hope you're having a great evening, enjoying some of this nice weather. Today's guest is Tyler Clark. Tyler was a Quad City legend you know, back in the, uh, the 2000s, my heyday. I uh, was a Fargo National Champ and had the unique pleasure of wrestling for both Cale Sanderson and Tom Branson College, which is something not many people can say. And now he's a really successful sales rep for Stryker. And so, you know, per usual, we get into some of my favorite topics, discipline, overcoming setbacks, self-talk when you're in one of those pressure cooker moments. So it's some of my favorite things, and we really had a good time with this conversation. So appreciate y'all listening. We'll talk to you again soon. Peace. Well, I was a fanatic. There's no doubt a fanatic. My goal was to get carried out of the wrestling room because of exhaustion, and it never happened. The thing it did for me every day about 6 o'clock is that when I got out, I looked back in, and there was nobody else there. Bottom line was I didn't reach my goal. So guess what happened? I went back in the room again. But I got some quality time because of just some kind of a fanatic goal. All right, Tyler Clark, welcome to the podcast, my friend. How are you? I'm pretty good about yourself. Doing good, man. It's summer's upon us. We're getting ready to talk some wrestling right now, so I'm in a good place, brother. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, you and I go way back, um, you know, probably right around middle school, you know, wrestling together, going to tournaments together. But I'd love just to start with, I mean, you you had a lifetime in wrestling. Maybe just talk to listeners through your journey through the sport and kind of uh, – kind of where you're at now with your life yeah uh so i probably started back when i was uh maybe three or four right around that age my dad was the kids club coach out in orion and uh illinois and so he kind of just sat me down he's like hey do you want to come you know start coming to wrestling practices with me and seeing what it's about and that was kind of my introduction and you know i went and kind of ran around and had fun and didn't really get into anything competitive for a couple of years. It was more, more, more like just coming in and run around kind of thing for the first couple of years. And, uh, yeah, started getting some competitions. Uh, it's always kind of funny looking back on old videos if anyone else still has them. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, one of the funny things I used to do was, uh, I was, I was also in gymnastics at the time, which, I'm still a huge advocate of, of uh, the gymnastics world, but uh, I would take someone down and then I'd get up and, you know, I'd do like a running round off and I'm, I get so excited. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I didn't, I didn't really understand the concept of, of riding people or, or turning people to their back or pinning. I just was all excited to take someone down. And so I always had to show a way to celebrate that. <laughs> Pretty funny to go back and listen to the video of that. <laughs> um, yeah, and then it, you know, it kind of grew from there. I just I became more and more involved with the sport. Um, you know, my dad and my parents were firm believers in in not overpressuring me to to go to everything and be at every meet and travel around at a young age. They said, you know, pick the sports you want to do and and go for them. We're going to be behind you. So I tried my hand at wrestling, uh, as I said, gymnastics. Uh, football, basketball, baseball, um, and you kind of name it, I 
I was, I did it. And, um, as I started getting into middle school age, I, uh, I kind of teetered out on the, on the basketball, obviously the about five, you know, about five, five, that wasn't going to be my specialty. Right. Um, I think probably at the time I was maybe four foot tall. So getting into the rim. <laughs> um, and so I dropped off the basketball, I dropped off, uh, the gymnastics and I continued with baseball, wrestling and football. And, and, uh, you know, I started having success in probably my seventh grade year. Um, won my first state championship in seventh grade and did it again in eighth grade. And I think at the time I was still about 85 pounds and, uh, you know, the lowest weight class in high school is 103. So that next summer was about, uh, trying to figure out how to get, you know, some size on. And that was always, you know, something I, I battled with was I was always a pretty small person and small weight mm-hmm. and uh, dropped off baseball. And then I played one year of football in high school and realized obviously a, a hundred pound five foot one person was not going to make it, make it in the football realm. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Walter Payton <laughs> was always my uh, big hero of mine. And that wasn't, that was, I was not going to turn into a Walter Payton. So, um, I focused on wrestling and, and, you know, when I did that, it was, I didn't go to a lot of national tournaments early. It was a lot of local stuff and just a lot of hours in the room. And, um, man, I just, I dedicated myself to the sport and I, I bought in and two feet in. And, so what uh, was it about it? Like, what was it about it when you made that decision to, to dedicate your life to the sport? Like, did you have, did you say, okay, these are my goals. I want to wrestle at division one level. I want to be a state champion, et cetera, et cetera. Like how did you kind of make that mental switch to that commitment? Um, and when, why'd you do it? Like, what'd you like so much about it? Um, you know, obviously one of the biggest things that I still enjoy about the sport today and something, you know, we can talk about it another, uh, later on is, is the, the, if you want to say blame or the discipline is on yourself. So you play a team sport. I get it. There's, there's other people that can contribute to the team. You have a great point guard. You have a great center, you know, quarterback, wide receiver. The one thing I, I loved was my success or my failures were, were on me. I had no one else to point the finger at or point the blame at if I was out of condition, if I wasn't strong enough, if I didn't have the technical skills, I could look, look myself in the mirror and say, you need to go ahead and fix this. You need to work, you need to work this out. And so being an individual sport and then tied to, you know, a team or a club, um, where, you know, the collective group had success based on individual performances. If you want to say that, that kind of, that really made me dive in. I, I just enjoyed that aspect of it. And obviously the competition, right? You, one other person out there going at it. I mean, who has the strength, the stamina, the the skills. I mean, it, I think at the time, I want to say Gladiator was a pretty popular movie. <laughs> it was. So, yeah. It was. And, you know, so I, I kind of looked at myself as, as being in the arena, right? Being a gladiator out there. As, maybe as cheesy as that sounds, but I mean, that, that kind of is what drew me to commit to it. And uh, yeah, I think that answered your question, probably. Yeah, no, it did. And you said a couple of things there. So the self-awareness aspect is big because 
like to your point, if you're not getting the job done and you're not self-reflective on why you're not getting it done, you're going to struggle and you're going to continue to struggle because you're not going to change your strategy. So do you remember any, any tough moments maybe where you had a loss or didn't, didn't perform to your ability where you had to have that, that tough conversation with yourself and, and kind of self-reflect on what you're going to change moving forward, even all the way through college, maybe. Yeah. Um, yeah, I had one of those, you know, I, uh, several, several of those moments, but I can tell you the first real time it kind of set in. And after that I had bought in, I was, a I was a sophomore in high school. I want to say sophomore. Yep. And, uh, was at Fargo and, uh, coming in the tournament, uh, going at, at cadet duels and I, I was on, I was a dual stylist, both Greco and freestyle. I was, I went undefeated in Greco duels. I went undefeated in freestyle duels. Um, you know, they always kind of do pre-seeds, you know, even though it's not really seeded, but favorites. And I was the, the favorite in both styles and, uh, made it to the finals in Greco. And, uh, I lost to a guy named Bo Torres. Uh, he's from Ohio. You know, you always remember your losses, which is yep. everyone remembers that. Um, lost to a, a guy named Bo Torres, great competitor. Wrestled him at the uh, at the duels that year, and I, I remember beating him. Couldn't tell you what the score was, but um, beat him at the duels. We met in the finals, and he ended up beating me three to one in the finals. Um, and also that year before, obviously Fargo, I had won folk style nationals, so I was. I was set to win the triple crown. That was a goal I'd, I'd had. I wanted it. And, you know, I, I wanted, I did everything I could to win it. And uh, so I lost. Right. I uh, took second. And then I had to bounce back within two days. You know, weigh-ins for freestyle were the next day. You know, freestyle tournament started two days later. Yep. So outside of cutting weight, you know, I had to kind of step back and, and take, a, take a look at what happened where I, where I, overlooked someone or I, I took, I thought it was an easy road because I had a, a victory before going in and, and kind of had to reevaluate my way I was going to attack the freestyle portion of that tournament really in a short period of time. And, uh, ended up wrestling Bo in freestyle. Probably. I mean, maybe the first day, maybe the second day of the tournament, I can't remember. And, uh, ended up beating him, I think 10 to nothing. And so I had a little bit of redemption on myself, a little bit of redemption (laughs) on myself, you know, and, and, uh, I can't say, I mean, at that time, I think I was probably one of the most fired up matches I had been in a long time because I had that burning, that burning desire to, of redemption of, of the comeback and, you know, it still is a still fresh wound. And I mean, I was angry. I was, I was fired up and, ended up winning Fargo that year in that year in freestyle. Um, and I'm still missing my triple crown, but, um, so I had some, I didn't know you won Fargo that year, man. I didn't realize that. Okay. Wow. So, you know, that's what separates the people who achieve success in life though, is when they get knocked down and I'm, I'm preaching the choir here, but I'm reading this book right now. And this is like a theme in this chapter, but, um, when they get knocked down, you know, when you have a setback, you don't completely collapse mentally. You, you actually get better because of it, right? And maybe if you would have beat him in Greco, maybe you wouldn't attack him in freestyle. Who knows? But because of that obstacle or because of that loss, 
you rebounded and freaking pushed through it. So, I mean, that's just such a rare, um, a rare thing. Even, uh, even amongst high performers, like the ability to bounce back like that is just so impressive. And like, when I think back to watching you wrestle, what always struck me was how confident and how loose you were going into the matches. Like you didn't seem that tight. At least it didn't seem like it. So, like, what was your, do you remember, like, what your self-talk was like going into matches? Or if you were back in the tunnel, like, what were you thinking? Were you, were you, I don't know, loose? Were you thinking about other things to keep yourself relaxed? Like, kind of walk us through that a little bit. Oh, um, you know, I, I can't say I became loose until I probably was in college. Um, okay. I was very, I, was, I always kind of had to get, like, you know, quote, unquote, in the zone, you know, before yeah. a match. Um, yeah. You know, music, I, I think you probably walk into any tournament, any sport, and they're going to be listening to music, right? That's kind of people's escape, how they block things out, and they kind of, everybody will get in their own mind and focus their themselves. Um, you know, another art, an artist that was big at the time um, was Linkin Park. I mean, they still yep. have, have had success. And, you know, um, you know, as a lead singer, you know, you know, passed away if you want to say a couple years yeah. ago a year and a half two years ago chester bennington um sad day but i i you know that was a sad day because i used to i used to, I, I looked back and I, I mean they they were kind of the music i listened to to when i was trying to focus on wrestling but i kind of had to just focus on what i what i did you know everyone um they kind of always talked about watching game film or even football basketball watching game film watching you know, studying tape and you know what know what your opponents do and it's good to be aware of that and it's something i i just didn't do i didn't yeah i didn't look the tape uh because at the end of the day i, I want to be aware of maybe a certain something certain but if i did that i focused too much on that on what my opponents could do or what they were focused on doing where i needed to be focused just on what i did and how to execute my attacks my strategy my game plan um and so I kind of just, I, I did that. So, you know, shadow wrestling, just focusing on, on how I wanted the match to go. Um, yep. Yeah. Well, I had, I had Jake Herbert on and he kind of talked about like before, like 10 minutes, 10 minutes out or longer, he was doing anything but thinking about the match. He was like just thinking about his friends or he was talking with his family, but then like 10 minutes out, maybe when he was in the hole or something like that, like this switch would flip and he would start talking to himself and getting him all, himself all fired up. He's like, you know, no one's worked as hard as I have, et cetera, et cetera. He went down this whole rat hole of like getting himself jacked up. So I was just wondering if you ever did that because I think of people who maybe let self-doubt creep in and you're not one of them. <laughs> just to, just based on my uh, memory of going to tournaments together, that's kind of where that question was coming from. Yeah. I mean, right. The, it's a great point that, you know, that he made and, and you made is, Anytime doubt creeps in, um, I mean, you open the question, you open up a door that, almost like a Pandora's box of what could happen if I don't do this? What could happen if I lose? What could happen if I don't perform? Who could I let down, right? Those are terrible questions to ask yourself. And, and as he said, not things you should be thinking about. It's thinking about things that you've done right. What did I do right? I, you know, and at the end of the day, if you know you did them, you're going to feel right. confident. You're going to feel good, right? Now, if there's any type, and it, it's a, it's about self-reflection and kind of the same thing when I said I could look myself in the mirror and say, you know, 
you need to improve here, it's at the end of the day, could you look at yourself and say, did I give everything I had? And no matter what that task was, if it was a conditioning training or a strength training, did you hold back? And if you didn't, then when you go into matches and you go into competition, you have no fear of that because you know you gave it everything that you had to prepare for that. And so for me, those, those types of questions didn't, didn't necessarily creep in because I knew kind of the same thing. I, no one's worked harder than I have. I've given the time. I've given the hours, if not multiple hours, above anyone else. This is what, this is what I'm meant to do kind of yeah. thing. And, uh, and then at the end of the day, you know, the biggest thing I always did was right before I went off, like, you know, I was always serious and I always had this kind of state. I don't think this just the seriousness. Scowl maybe? I would, a scowl? <laughs> yeah, like a scowl, right? It's then I, I turn my, I, I try to turn that off and be like, now let's go have fun. Right. Let's try and have like, let's try, but let's have fun. Right. And, and uh, that was a big thing when I was growing up. I mean, when I was in high school and in middle school and high school, I, I just had a lot of fun. And, yeah. uh, you know, you, we can get into college years. And I think, uh, you know, for me, uh, that kind of changed to more of a, a job than having fun. And, you know, maybe I didn't experience the success I wanted to at that, that level, maybe because that mentality shifted in my mind. And so, yeah. So I, that's a good segue because you wrestled for maybe the, you know, excluding John Smith, excluding Tom Ryan, the two probably best college coaches in the last 20 years, uh, Tom Brands and Kale Sanderson when Kale Sanderson was at Iowa State. Um, am I remembering that correctly? Let's see their stuff. Uh, yeah, Kale, Kale first. I was at Iowa State first, but yeah. Right, and then Iowa, yeah. So yep. talk about – so what's amazing to me is – and I've had a former Penn State guy on this, Aaron Onsbach, who wrestled heavyweight at Penn State before Kale came, but then was a head coach of the Nittany Lion Club when Kale was there. And he kind of talked about just how he gets people to relax and compete. So, I mean, you wrestled for Kale firsthand. I looked at this here. You kind of talked for a few minutes on, like, what was he doing back at Iowa State? And what do you think he's doing at Penn State to get those guys to get excited to compete versus maybe getting nervous? Because they just freaking go, and they let it rip out there, man. Uh, what, yeah. what do you think what's that the, is for him? What's the term? What's the fur fly? I think is uh, a term that I've heard using that. Um, you know, I, someone asked me this not that long ago. You know, the difference between, you know, the experiences I had between both programs, both coaches, and what I can tell is different. And um, it's still it, it's still kind of hard to wrap my head around just the differences, but. You know, Kale was so for just example, such a, I mean, go, go ahead. ahead. No. I was just going to say, it yeah. seems like the Penn State guys, or Iowa State, whatever, to put it this way, Kale versus Tom Brand, what it seems like is the guys who wrestle for Kale, they put more of an emphasis on improving and wrestling, you know, as well as they can. Versus the Iowa guys put a focus on winning. Whereas with the, with Kale's guys, winning just happens if you're wrestling loose, if you're getting better. But with the Iowa guys, maybe they wrestle a little bit tighter because they're focused so much on winning. That's just one observation. I could be way off. I don't know. Like, what do you what do you think about that? Um, I, I would say personally, 
you're probably, I mean, just from my experience, I would say that's, it seems like it could be an accurate statement. Um, you know, you, you can't put your head in the mind of any wrestler out there. Um, no. no. You know, and, and how they how they work and how they, they practice and, and what they're thinking before and during and after a match. But, yeah, it was, they're, they're very um, clashing, I think, coaching styles. Uh, my experience, Kayla was very relaxed and, and really focused on having fun. Like he made, he tried to make everything just as fun and, and, and like you said, and learn and grow as possible. Um, he made games out of things. Um, and, uh, I don't know. It was, yeah. I mean, that's the best way to kind of say it. He just, he tried just to have everyone have fun. It was so fascinating and, and kind of an amazing to watch. We'd be in practices and he would just invent a move created out of nowhere and he'd be like guys come here and look at this real quick i just made this up what do you think you know and like what do you what do you think about this do you think it would work go go try it a few times i want you to try it and tell me and give me your feedback i mean and it was it just like out of nowhere like he just he had this innate ability to to see things that other people didn't and uh it was really cool it was really cool to see it was you know it was a sad day to see him leave um when i was at iowa state you know, I, I chose yeah. to stay in the, I chose to stay in the state of Iowa for for personal reasons. Um, nothing against him at all, and you know, I thought he was a phenomenal coach. Um, there's a lot more, you know, personal reasons there of why I stayed. Sure. And, sure. Uh, yeah, and then I mean, you know, I, I and then I went into an environment where, um, you know, the Iowa wrestling rooms brands are still relatively, you know, new in the area. I guess I can't remember how many years they were in at that time. But you had super, super intense guys, Tom, Terry, Doug Schwab, Mike Zadek. Um, I know there's some others, maybe uh, drawn a blank on. Was Freyer uh, there? I don't think Freyer was there when I came. Okay. I don't remember if he was or not. I mean, I don't, I don't remember if he was or not. Those are the four that always just stick out in my mind. Um, and it was, you know, it was a different... Uh, it was something so different. I mean, I remember my first day of practice. You know, Kale, like our practices at Iowa, were kind of, or Iowa State were kind of structured, and, and time goes, live goes, you know, things like that. And then I remember one of my my first days at Iowa. Um, you know, if you remember a guy named Dan Dennis, you know, Dan, I knew Dan from middle school and totally high school. Did. Yeah. And yeah. I, you know, Dan and I were roommates. You know, when I came to Iowa, and. Uh, Great guy. guy. I love Dan Dennis. And, uh, you know, we went to the room and he was kind of trying to, you know, explain how things are going to be. And, you know, we sat down and they said, all right, practice on your own. And, you know, like, I was like, what does, what does that mean? You know, I'm looking at Dan, I'm like, what does that mean? He's like, basically, we, we warm up, we get ready to go, and we just wrestle live for as long as we want, like as long as you want. Last guy, it's kind of like a last guy standing thing. <laughs> and what, is this early in the season or is this like February? Um, yeah, what, what part of the year? Like a, uh, preseason. Right? Uh, okay. So it was, yeah, right when I kind of came on it, and it was just different. It was, it was something I hadn't been used to and I wasn't used to. And so it was different and there was an adjustment period to it, but I'm not sure that goes in comparison to the coaching styles really at all, but. No, um, I mean, it's just such a, I'm sure people have asked you that question your whole life and it's a tough one to answer, but. It's just uh, 
such a rare thing because it's been a long time since Kale was in Iowa, and to have someone wrestle for both programs, kind of, uh, you know, that was when Iowa was kind of in their heyday, you know. So it was just, and I'm the biggest Iowa fan there, is I love Iowa, so it's just so fascinating to me. But you got to respect what Kale's doing and how those guys wrestle. It's so incredible to watch, you know. Yeah, it it is. Uh, Yeah, you can't say anything. It it is. It is very incredible to watch. yeah, I mean, it's a yeah. So the guys that have gone through that program, the the Rutherford, the Bo Nichols, uh, you know, the David Taylors. Gosh, I remember when David Taylor was in high school. I knew him in high school. It was he was a great kid then. Uh, yeah, they've made it extremely fun to watch. They go out and they score a boatload of points, and and they look like they're having fun doing it. And uh, yeah, it, it just makes a fun sport to watch. The the sport fun to watch. Which is ironic because when Gable and those guys were doing their thing, like when Tom Brands was wrestling or when Joe Williams was wrestling, that's what they were known for, scoring a lot of points. And don't get me wrong, Iowa still does that. But like Penn State kind of does that now. And that was always their thing. You know, I mean, like Roy Salger, those guys were scoring a ton of points back in the 80s. So it's yeah. just so, uh, yeah. there's just so Randy many Lewis, Roy, Yeah, Randy Lewis, Roy Salger. Uh, 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 I mean, Steiner, you could go. Brands, all of them. Yeah. Barry Davis. Yeah, Barry Davis. Those guys were scoring. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a lot of guys around the area that in the area that scored a lot of points, but yeah, for sure. (laughs) So I want to shift into a couple, a couple more. I guess I call them rapid fire questions that we usually spend about five minutes on each. But you know, you've gone into uh, sales, which I'm equally as passionate about sales as I am about wrestling now. I've I've been doing it about five years. I think it's awesome. Uh, I don't think a lot of people know that it's a, a viable career path. I know I didn't until I had some some mentors introduce me to it. But it's just it's awesome because it reminds me a lot about wrestling in a number of ways. One, you're on a sales team, but like the team really doesn't impact your performance, right? It's, it's an individual sport, um, but you're still on a sales team just like you are a wrestling team, and the amount of work you put in is most of the time indicative of the results you get. So kind of just talk to me about like what is wrestling taught you and how do you use that every day in your sales game? Because I know you've had a lot of success in sales. So maybe it's kind of, how is that parlayed and into that sales world that you're in now? Yeah. Um, So you you kind of even already answered a lot of those questions and it came kind of back from the self-reflection side of things. Right. So, you know, at the end of the day, your success and sales or within the company you're with or uh, the is all based on you, right? You don't have anyone to go back and look in the mirror and say, I didn't succeed today because of this, you know, everyone can make excuses for things, but at the end of the day, it's, it's on your head and it's on you to go and perform or, or do something with your customers or, you know, gain trust somewhere. I like build a relationship, all these things that, the other day it's on you. So, um, you know, but we all have quotas, you know, in sales, we all have quotas. And at the end of the day, we have a goal. We have a goal we want to get to, and we, we take a step every day towards that, right? You know, whether that's one step or five steps or anything, you're always trying to take one more step forward and, and not take any back. And, and when you do take a back step, you learn from that. You know, we all get kind of, we all have defeats. We all lose a little bit, and we all have learning experiences. So we take those and we put in our arsenal and figure out where we went wrong and 
and correct it so it doesn't happen again. Uh, same way you would do in wrestling, right? And uh, right. so a lot of the parallels there, you know, just the individualistic performance contributes to a team. So then I have a team of um, nine, 11 guys that are all held to their own number in their own specific territories that collectively we have a group number to hit for our manager. And so, I mean, you can kind of really look at that as you got a head coach that's given an assignment to do, and he's got 10 or 11 guys under him that each have to perform at their highest you know, potential for the team to be successful. And it's, it's almost a, a spitting image parallel to how a wrestling program works. Seriously. Um, yeah. It really is, man. Um, and before we got started here, you mentioned, you know, a lot of times if you with your friends, your colleagues, you know, talk about wrestlers being a different breed. Like, what do you mean by that? Or I guess, how does, what does that mean to you, so to speak? Yeah. In, being in terms a, of your. Being a different breed of person. Yeah. Um, it's a comment I get a lot. Uh, you know, oh, he's a wrestler. He's a different breed. Right. <laughs> And I don't know, at first, I didn't know how to take that. And I've kind of learned to own it is, is the way when we feel we're a different breed, like no one outworks the wrestler. Like it's just, it's hard to find someone that outworks the wrestler because of the, the energy, the, the passion, the, just the endurance we have, the, the discipline, um, the grind. I mean, everyone talks about in college, like going through the grind and bettering yourself, even on days you don't feel good or you don't want to do it, you still got to wake up and do it. And I think that's just been ingrained in my head since I was a kid. And so I wake up, you know, every day and I'm like, it's a grind, right? You know, there's days that I feel great. I feel good. And there's days where, I, you know, I don't, I don't take sick days. Like I just, that's just another thing that no matter how bad I feel, I still have a job to do because that's just the person I am. And so, yeah, hearing that when someone say, oh, he's a different breed, <laughs> it's kind of funny uh, to hear, but I enjoy it. And I, I kind of like that, that terminology, if you want to say that nowadays, because people relate that to something very good, especially in my company. Um, there's a lot of very successful people within my company, Striker, that have come from wrestling. And so they have kind of set a, a precedent for when a wrestler does come you know, come into the sales world, um, they're, they're like, okay, yep. He's a, yep. He's a different breed or, you know, she's a different breed of person. Yep. They're gonna, okay. Kind of thing. And it's like, we're just you're all, freaking we're all savage. Yeah, absolute yeah. animal. Um, and I think that the last thing I'd love to know about is like, what's a, what's a day in the life look like for Tyler Clark these days? Like, are you like a regimented guy in terms of your morning routine? I mean, you're working out up still, I'm sure. But uh, what does that look like for you? Um, well, you know, it, it's my days. My days do very little bit. So um, I sell them for a med device company. So sometimes my days revolve around surgeries um, and in the hospital that I provide to and service and um, the docs that I work with. Um, but, you know, for I'd, I'd say this last year has been a little different, since, you know, year and a half, I guess. Gosh, maybe even more. So I have a, a daughter now. She's about 20 months old. So that's kind of thrown a wrench in my normal, my, what I would say was a normal day in my life. 
<laughs> and all the personal time I used to have is kind of gone, you know, away. And I try to focus on family when I get home. But, um, you know, it, it's waking up early, hitting the, hitting the pavement early for me. What, ti- um, what time do you wake up? Five or six or four thirty? I usually get about four thirty. Um, usually get about four thirty. You know, between four thirty and I guess five, I I decide to snooze for thirty minutes. Um, then I I hammer out some emails in the morning before I hit the road. I try and be in my first place before six thirty. Um, in the in my world, surgery starts pretty early. Um, six thirty to seven, some places. So try and get there early. Doing what I can, scheduling meetings around the day, uh, and then actually I, I picked up. I started. I actually stopped lifting weights a few years ago, and I picked up rugby. So I play rugby okay. um, twice a week. I practice, you know, and I, then I have rugby games on the weekend, and uh, that's been a just a phenomenal release. Uh, if you want to say release, but just a transition from wrestling to rugby has just been fantastic i can't say it's probably become my hands down my second favorite sport and uh it's just i have a blast i have a blast doing it um great camaraderie with friends like the guys i play with the friends i play with and uh anyone knows out there knows about rugby i play scrum half um anyone knows what that is if you guys yeah i know i know nothing about it brother but i I'm fascinated because it just seems like like a guy's guy's sport, man. You're out there freaking getting after it. You're running around. I mean, how exhausted are you after a rugby game? Uh, yeah, pretty good. I mean, I, soreness and, like, stiffness, that's been probably, like, 30 minutes after a game. Uh, you're mm-hmm. out there playing 40-minute halves and, uh, yeah, no pads, hard, you know, brutal hard contact. Uh, but it's fun, man. It, it's a lot of fun. And it is, it, it's kind of a, a guy's, I don't know, guy's guys, but I mean, afterwards, yeah. no matter like what you say about the other team during the, during the match, at the end of the day, you, you walk off the pitch and you shake hands and, uh, and you have a beer and you say, man, that was a great stinking game. Love the, you know, love the tenacity and it's great. So uh, I've enjoyed that for the last couple, you know, few years. Um, as well as kind of helping out coaching when I can. Uh, I haven't, I just kind of do more volunteer work when I'm available. It is, so It's so tough. Like I, I thought about it too, because you know, after, after we stopped running the Outlaw Club when I moved to California, like I wanted to get back into coaching, but dude, now I think about how much time those high school coaches put in. Like, I don't know how they did it. Like, I don't, you know, sometimes I'll work till six and the last thing I want to do is go hang out somewhere else for two hours. You know, it's like, it's such a commitment to coach, high school wrestling i'm just so blown away by the people who do it so yeah i mean they i mean it, it is it, it's a it's a huge commitment and you know i did it i ran a i ran a i coached high school i was at west branch iowa when i was right out of college and and then i i ran a kids club in Bettendorf, iowa uh and then like i said when i moved down to missouri i helped out at a high school down here and and, you know, for me, and like you said, some, there's some days where you don't get off work till six o'clock and my schedule is very fluid. I don't have a, you start at this time, you get off at this time, like a nine to five job. It's, it's fluid. It's based on schedule like meetings, surgeries, you know, where I got to go. And, uh, you know, at the end of the day, I couldn't always promise to be there at three thirty, four o'clock for a you know, practice start. 
right. so that's always, exactly. yeah, that, that was always a struggle for me that I don't want to commit to being an on-staff coach anywhere because I couldn't always guarantee that I could be there. So that's where I, I enjoyed the, the, I guess, freelance coaching work, right? <laughs> Come in and help out whenever, <laughs> yeah. I could and whenever I could. And, and that's been fun. That's kind of kept me in shape a little bit, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, last question before I let you go here. Did I see somewhere online that you're uh, into bow hunting now or archery at least? Yeah. Um, yeah, that is another passion. Um, passion. So I, I, I love and I enjoy competitive target shooting. Um, I do bow hunt. I have, I, I have fun with that. It's me and something me and my dad do, but, uh, yeah, competitive target shooting is a lot of fun. Um, it's really monotonous. And like when, when I say that it's routine. So when you go through your shot sequence, like from your breathing technique to the way you draw the bow or the way you hold your hand position to how you release, like, you know, I, I use a hinge release, which if there's any bow hunter target shooters out there, a hinge release or, you know, back tension release are great. But yeah, that's a, something I just, I enjoy doing. Some people love golf, right? It's kind of yeah. the same thing. It's routine. It's rhythm. You got to have, you know, swing the club at the same time over and over again. Uh, it's kind of the same process with target, you know, competitive target shooting. Cause you're, I mean, you're aiming at an X that's the size of a quarter, you know, 20 yards away. And so trying to hit that spot every single time involves a lot of, you know, discipline and, and routine work and practice. So, yeah. Gotcha. I'm trying to do a lot of things. Man. Well, the reason I ask is that I'm a huge fan of the Joe Rogan podcast and that guy's, you know, massive archery guy. Um, and so my brother Tanner and I were thinking about, like, hey, how can we, I can pick up a new hobby other than just kicking it with our friends. And that one seems really fun. And yeah, I think wrestlers have just like addictive personalities where they go in, they go all the way with something. And like, yeah, you don't just have a bow, you freaking do competitions. Right. So I just had to ask well, yeah. while we're on the phone here, because I think it, it's just something that seems really appealing to me. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the competitive side of me. I, I everything's a competition. <laughs> Right. Yeah, that's, just, that's not the person I am. I, I don't care what it is. I'm gonna, I'm probably gonna find a way to make it a competition. Uh, right. In some right. capacity, you know, even with my wife, I do the same thing. I <laughs> we always have little competitions <laughs> here and there. It, it's just my my nature. So. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, man, I I really appreciate you doing this. It was good to catch up with you. And um, I know you're moving back to the QC, so maybe we'll we'll grab a beer next time I'm back, man. But, you know, wish you nothing but the best. That's the end of this episode, but definitely not the end of the show. For more episodes, please go to wrestlingchangemylife.org. Subscribe to us on iTunes. Give us a star rating. Show the love, baby. Show the love. Thank you so much. We'll see you again soon. Peace.